Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series called Transformed, Not Conformed. In this series, we want to learn to be transformed to the way of Jesus rather than conform to the patterns of this world. Thanks for joining us. Our mission statement is up on our banners, and you may not be able to see all of it, but I want to just say it out loud so we can think about it as we start 2018. We are fighting shallow Christianity by becoming H3 disciples of Jesus who are hungry, humble, and hospitable. And you'll notice that we're fighting shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves, finding a way not to just become more and more shallow. And so we thought that the best way to start and end 2017 and start 2018 was to have this series called Transformed, Not Conformed. And if you're following along in the notes, here's the first thing I just want to mention. Maybe you already know this, but it'll always be easier to conform than be transformed. It'll always be easier to conform to this world than be transformed by Jesus. Here's the truth. The natural drift is towards spiritual immaturity. For all of us, in a 24-hour period, I can get away from God. I can become more shallow. It's so easy to be conformed, influenced, shaped by this world. Now, this series, Transform Not Conformed, is based on Romans 12, 2. Would you read it with me? It's there in that first gray box in the notes. Let's read it out loud. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I left the word two out, sorry about that. But do not conform to the pattern of this world to the way that it goes about things, its value system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you walk with the Lord. Let him, let him change the way you look at life and think about things. And uh, again, in the Phillips paraphrase, it says this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. So there's this squeezing, there's this pressure, there's this sense of shaping, influencing that we're all, all, regularly exposed to. And how it affects us has a lot to do with whether or not we're being renewed, that our minds are beginning to change, we're beginning to see things from God's perspective more and more and more. Well, there's three main areas that as we talked last fall about this series, we realized there's three areas, we could talk about a lot more, but three areas where we see it very easy to become shallow. The first one is in this area of pace, of uh, rhythms in our life. And that what would it look like for us to become transformed with healthy rhythms in our life like the Lord wants us to have? The second one is in relating rightly. There's so much ways that people are relating wrongly in our culture. What would it look like if we were different, if Jesus was transforming even the way we interact both privately and publicly. And then the the last one is how we handle money with not only responsible ways, but also a God perspective. And so we're gonna talk about each one of those for two weeks. This is week two. Last week, Steve did a great job helping us understand that if we really want to step into this year right, one of the rhythms we have to build into our life is meditating deeply on the word of God and making sure that it's God's word that's influencing the way we think, not just our own mind or our popular culture. And he showed us ways to do that by reading each morning. We're going to read through the New Testament this year. If you want to join us, we had an outline for that. I think there's some out at the ministry desk. But also, he showed that you can use a, a way of reflection called SOAP. And I, again, I'll let you listen to that message if you weren't here. But today, I want to talk to you about the healthy rhythms that involves slowing down. 
Let me say that a little bit slower. Slowing down. Now, why is this so important? Because one of the things that we are regularly doing, I mean, how many times do we hear people saying, I am so busy, I am so overwhelmed, I am so overscheduled right now, I have no margin. It's just, it's everywhere. It's happening all the time. And so what would it look like if we began to take responsibility and began to fight for healthy rhythms? If you're following along, here's probably the big idea I came away this week as I prepared. Jesus teaches that we must fight for healthy rhythms with God. Jesus teaches us that we must fight for healthy rhythms with God. And I'm gonna show you today, what I wanna do in just a little bit is show you three snapshots from the Gospels of how Jesus practiced this and taught this. And then I wanna talk to you about three practices. And then at the end of the message, what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna stick our feet in the water and practice some of these ways of slowing down. But again, as we think about this, some of you may have read John Ortberg's book, uh, The Life You've Always Wanted. And he describes a conversation that he had with a wise friend asking him for spiritual direction. So as he asked this wise friend for spiritual direction, he was describing the pace at which things were moving in his current setting, the rhythms of his family life, the present condition of his heart, as he could best discern it. So he asked this mentor, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? He said, on the phone call there, long pause. And then his mentor said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Another long pause. John Ortberg said, okay, I've written that down. That's a good one. Now what else is there? He said, I had a lot of things to do and I was anxious to get as many wisdom bits out of this guy as I could. There was another long pause. There is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John Orberg writes, imagine for a moment that someone gave you this prescription with the warning that your life depends on it. Consider the possibility that perhaps your life does depend on it. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Hmm. That's a pretty interesting perspective. So I want to talk to you about how we can be transformed by slowing down. And then I want to talk to you about how we can practice it. Would you pray with me? Now, Lord. Speak to us, teach us, transform us, because the healthiness of our lives does depend on it. And it also affects many people around us. Help us, oh God. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I wanna invite you to open your Bibles. I wanna take you through some places in Mark's gospel today. Again, we're reading through the New Testament this year, if you join us, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's in the back fourth of your Bible. If you're using a black Bible, it's on page 817. And I wanna just show you three snapshots, but as you're turning there, let me just set up some of these snapshots that we're gonna see by building a little bit more of a case for this. Whenever I think about something, whenever I think about um, getting things wrong, I always wanna remember what was the original intention? Like, what's the goal? I don't know about you, but when I know the goal is, it's easier for me to move towards it. But if I don't know what the goal is, I can't move towards it with any real power and energy. So let me just remind you what the Bible says the goal in life is. If you're following along, the goal in life is to walk with God and do life with him. The goal in life is to walk with God and do all of life, even the most ordinary moments, with him. So that helps me know, okay, all right. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I can easily get out of tune with him, out of sync with him, not, not do life with him as much as for him, and it's just easy to get all messed up in that. But here's why hurry and busyness are a problem. Hurryness, hurry and busyness, sorry, if you're following along, damage our souls and closeness with God. Hurry and busyness damage our souls and closeness with God. Maybe a picture would help. Uh, years ago, I saw a leader who's had a big influence on my life draw this kind of thing I've got up here on the whiteboard. And he said, basically, he was involved in a very, very uh, engaged ministry in this world. And uh, so he said that as the church grew and as he got more involved in the things God wanted him to do, you know, he had young kids at home and all that stuff. He said the speed line of his life was, you know, his hair was on fire. He was going like Mach 2 speed. And he said uh, he was under the illusion that as long as he had devotions and as long as he went to church and all that kind of stuff, that his soul could keep up with whatever speed his life was going at. But what he discovered is, is that the faster the speed went, the more his soul couldn't keep up and the bigger the gap got. Now by soul, what he means is the health of his relationship with God and the health of his relationship with other people. Uh, You're more than a body, you and I are a soul but is our soul healthy? And so he told a story I've never forgotten. He said that his daughter was about seventh grade at this time. And one day she came into his office at home and she could tell that he had a lot on his mind. So she said, dad, I have something I want to share with you. And he said, he said, honey, he said, go ahead. He says, if you can share it with me really fast. And she said, that's okay, dad. I'll come back sometime when you can listen slow. See, what happened is, is that what was going on in his soul, he was so stirred up that it affected his ability to interact with people. It affected his ability. I've noticed that there's times where even like with reading the Bible, I read fast. God, teach me fast. And so sometimes we just have to be aware, oh my goodness, there's a lot at stake. So let me just show you three snapshots from Jesus' ministry. I'll even throw a fourth one and no extra charge, okay? But here we go. Mark 6, verses 30 through 34 is where I want to read, okay? And when I get to verse 31, would you read with me off that gray, second gray box so we can read it together? The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Now, if you look back to verses 7 through 13, Jesus had sent his disciples out two by two to go into different towns and villages, and he gave them the authority to cast out demons and to teach the good news and also to heal people. Now they're coming back and they're reporting to him all that they had taught and done. Okay? Verse 31. Would you read it with me out loud on that second gray box? Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Let me read verse 32. So it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Can you just almost... Ah... Now, here's what I want you just to think about with me for just a second. I don't know if you just read over words or you let your imagination get involved in the scriptures, but if you had just come back from a ministry season where you were casting out demons, where you were confronting darkness and evil, and you were healing people, and people were coming one after another after another, and you were teaching people and making sure you were doing it in the right spirit and saying the wise things, 
Do you realize how much that empties you? So Jesus, he sees, they're excited in some ways about what God's done through them and with them, but at the same time he goes, oh, oh my goodness, we gotta do something. So if you're following along in the notes, here's what I want you to see. In a busy ministry season, Jesus calls a time out. In a busy ministry season, Jesus calls a time out. People would go, wait a second, there's a revival going on here, we can't stop now. You gotta strike when the iron's hot. He goes, no, 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 we gotta punctuate our life, we've got to call a time out. And he does, if you're following along, notice the next line. He shows his disciples how to guard the pace of their lives. He shows his disciples how to guard the pace of their lives. Now, I won't read the next two verses in this, in this passage I was gonna read to you, because it, you're gonna notice that when they endeavor to take time, it doesn't work out like they thought it would. A whole bunch of people see where they're going and they're waiting for them. When they land, I'm sure they're going, oh, brother. But Jesus is filled with compassion. Now, how is he able to be filled with compassion for them? Because even that boat ride, even that taking that time out, had begun to renew and plenish his soul and his disciples too. So they could go the next, they could go the distance. Now, this isn't the only time that we see Jesus do this. He doesn't just teach his disciples to do this. He does this. So if you turn back in Mark 1, what I want you to see is in Mark 1.35, there's a verse that's actually helped many Christians over the years just by reading this one verse. So the background of this is that Jesus has just been healing. People from a whole town were brought to him. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been teaching and loving on people all day. Early the next morning, notice this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is so huge. Notice this, he, he was so busy, he had to slow down. He knew where his power came from. He knew that his soul could not afford to keep going at Mach 2 speed. But notice this, verses 30, uh, uh, 36 and following, Simon Peter and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Can you feel this? Can you feel the crowd's expectations and demands? Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee. Now, here's what I want to just say to you. Uh, years ago, I taught a class called Boundaries. And we thought about bringing it back because it is probably one of the number one things. We don't want to just strengthen people's yes in our church. We want to strengthen people's no. It is hard to say no, but here's what I want you to notice. Out of that prayer time, Jesus says no, so he can say yes. Now, I'm sure as he was leaving that town, they're going, you're gonna leave us? I'm not done talking with you, I have more to say. Anybody realize the only thing that gave him the power to say no in order to say yes is by being with the Lord. He, he, he was able to readjust his pace so that he could be guided by the God. He could keep walking with God and do life with God the way God intended. But so many times we can't say no because it's, it's hard to say no, isn't it? It's hard to say no to our kids. It's hard to say no to people that want us to serve in churches. It's hard. But when is the right time to do that? There's got to be space to do that at times. So just notice that. Uh, let me go to snapshot number two. And this one is not in Mark, it's in Luke, so you don't have to worry about turning to it, but keep your Bibles because we're coming back to Mark 14. This is Luke 10, 
38 through 42. Let me put it on the screen. We taught on this a year and a half ago. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is needed Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Here's what, here's what I want you to notice. Jesus says, one of the reasons you're so stirred up inside and so resentful and so mad right now is because you have not kept the one thing, the, one, the main thing. In other words, you, you're doing stuff for me, but you're not being with me. And so if you're following along, here's what I want you to see. Jesus teaches Martha the one thing needed in life. Remember, if the one thing in life is to walk with God and do life with him, then when we start doing life for him or we start doing things on our own terms, that gap begins to happen. And inside, all of a sudden, we're out of whack. We're out of sync. We're out of tune. And that's what Martha was, because Martha loved Jesus. This wasn't because she was trying to get out of tune. She got out of tune because she got caught up with different priorities. We've all heard about that jar where if you're going to stick in all of the sand and the little rocks and the big rocks, the only way to do it is what? Start with the big rocks. If we don't do that, then everything else will be out of whack. But it's so easy for that to happen. We have to fight for that. And what Jesus was saying is, look, there's nothing wrong with fixing dinner that's part of life. But the way you're going about it is your soul. Something's happened to your soul. And so if you're following along, he shows her how she can be active but not hurried. How she could be active but not hurried. Friends, let me say this. No one was more active than Jesus, but he was never hurried. He could look at people in the eye and really listen and really love. He could spend time with his father and he knew how to make one thing the one thing and he calls us to do the same thing and he lovingly corrects Martha so she can get back to what she's gotten away from. And he has to do that for me all the time. How about you? And so this is just a couple snapshots of what's happening. Here's the third snapshot. If you turn to Mark 14, near the end of Mark's gospel, if you turn there, I want you to see Uh, that Jesus was overwhelmed. And if you look at verses 33 and following, let me read from that, okay? So it says, then they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So notice this, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You wanna talk about being overwhelmed? No one has faced more spiritual pressure than Jesus. No one has had more people pulling on him. No one has had more than, no matter what we think we've faced. So going a little farther, he told his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, if you're following along, here's what I want you to see. 
when he's most overwhelmed, Jesus fights for slowing down. When he's most overwhelmed, Jesus fights for slowing down. (laughs) This is the night before he's going to be crucified. He's going to pay the sacrificial payment for the sin of the whole world, yours and mine and millions more. Oh my goodness, what an hour to face. And so sometimes when we know that there's something hard or scary come up, we distract ourselves with all kinds of things. Jesus knew exactly what he had to do. He knew the one thing. I've got to do this with God. So he says to his disciples, and he goes off, and he falls on the ground, and he goes, Father, I just need to pour out my heart to you right now. I'm so overwhelmed. And he pours it out and says, if it's possible to save the world through any other way than my sacrificial death on the cross, I'm wide open. But not my will. Yours be done. And here's what I want you to notice about this. He shows how slowing down can help us freshly surrender to God. He shows how slowing down can help us freshly surrender to God. This is so important. The idea of slowing down isn't just, you know, like, I'm I'm fine with yoga, I'm fine with meditation, I'm fine with all these things the world does in some ways, but the problem is, is it's not about Christ. It's not about God sometimes. It's about us being cool. Or it's us being, you look like happening. And there's benefit sometimes even to those kind of forms. But what's powerful is when we slow down in order to be yielded, available, dependent upon, surrendered to God so that we walk with him in such a way we're not always fighting him. But we're fighting to walk with him, not fighting him. That's what he wants for us. And so one question that's helped me If you see the next question is, ask yourself, what kind of person do I want to become? What kind of person do I want to become? Do I want to become a person who goes real fast and does all these things, but my soul is getting smaller and smaller? My soul is becoming less tenderhearted, less sensitive, less responsive, or do I want to become a person? If I want to become that kind of person, wow. Some of you know we gave the Right Now Media subscription as a gift to every person in this church that signs up for that. If you go to Simplicity, uh, Simplify, excuse me, do we have that on the screen? Uh, This week I went to this, and uh, there's a a series called Simplify, Bill Hybels does, and uh, if you go to session one, he actually brings this question up. He says, when you're laying out your calendar, or thinking about your schedule. The question most of us ask in this world is, how am I gonna get it all done? But he said, a better question to ask first is what kind of person do I wanna become? And then you can decide, well, if I'm gonna become that kind of person, I can't say yes to that, or I'm gonna have to make sure I carve out, put in my calendar time for this. When Steve invited us to do soap last week and read, a chapter in the New Testament every week. We got an email this week from a lady that said, I had so many responsibilities when I heard it, I thought there's no way I can do it. But she said, I started doing it and I was amazed at not only the fact I was able to do it, but what it did for my heart. So there's times. Now I know that some of you have little ones hanging all over your legs. I know that some of you are retired and you have more time than you used to have. So I don't know where this all fits for you. But what kind of person do you want to become? Do you want to become the kind of person whose soul keeps growing and expanding and who walks with God and learns how to do everything with God? That's really the nut. That's really the idea here. So how do we practice this? Okay, let me just talk to you about that. There's three ways to slow down if you're interested in that. First, practice stillness if you're following along. Practice stillness. 
I, uh, <clears throat> this week, I um, uh, was reminded of a jar I've used before. It's got sand and water in it. And if you shake it up, you know, if you're going really fast, this is how my insides look. This is what my soul looks like. And it's hard to see clear. It's hard to really understand. And so there's just times to slow down and let things settle where God can speak to us. And stillness, a lot of times with all of our energy, and again, if you're an activistic kind of person, this is especially challenging for us. But this, this week, on uh, Tuesday, my first day back to the office in a while, I uh, sat in my car and I thought, okay, I'm going to be teaching on this. Like, do I ever practice it? Well, I'd already done the reading the New Testament that morning early and stuff like that, but I noticed that even then I was already thinking of all the things I had to do to catch up just to get back. All the emails, all the different phone calls, all the preparation for this. I got in my car and I just sat there and I went, God, before I turn on the car, I know myself well enough to know I'm going to go 100 miles an hour. Please help me to do it with you. And that time out set the course for the rest of my day along with what I just read that morning as far as application and it helped me see timeouts but stillness and stillness a lot of times has to do with solitude remember Jesus how he went off a lot of times slowing down being still remember Psalm 46:10. be still and know that I am God he's saying that I really sense he's saying that to all of us would that help you? Oh, after the last service, a person told me that's been their verse this last year through all kinds of traumatic things. Second, practice silence. Practice silence. Look at Habakkuk 2.20, if you would, on the screen. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Sometimes being silent. Man, I don't know about you. There is something powerful about silence. I know it's scary. For many people, the reason why we don't ever want silence is because it's scary. We're afraid we'll have to face ourselves. We're afraid we're going to hear something. We're afraid God's going to correct something or challenge us in some way. But silence is so important because it's the only way to listen. If I'm talking, if I have noise on, that's why in practicing this, it may mean turning off your phone for an hour. It may mean turning off your TV for a day. It may mean, I don't know what it would look like for you, but all the noise. If you love your music, great, but is there a time to let it be quiet? And then maybe other times you pick music that'll help you worship the Lord. I don't know, but being silent can be powerful. We're going to practice that during communion in just a little bit today without any music in the background, just silence and soak that in, okay? Third, practice surrender. Practice surrender. The idea of surrender here is that, remember Jesus understood that the whole goal is that if there's this gap where my speed is starting to affect my ability to be responsive to God, or maybe I've started to just be doing all kinds of religious stuff, but not with a heart that's connected, this gives me a chance to just freshly go, oh God, I'm taking over again. I'm trying to control this, I'm trying to do this, and I, I, I haven't really acknowledged you and your place in my life. And I was talking uh, with a young mom this week that just said they, they find that they have to fight for these kinds of things just to get to a place where they stay right-hearted before God. So sometimes they, they go into a separate room for 30, 60 seconds and just say, okay, God, 
help me right now. Other times when they're folding laundry, they try and pray for the person that's going to be wearing it. My wife reminded me that she, when she would take the kids to the bus stop, uh, as they'd be in the car, she'd just take a moment to pray together with the kids to remind them, let's pause all throughout the day to slow down and make sure we're doing this with God. I don't know what it'd look like for you. I was gonna tell an illustration at the end. I read an illustration of a little domino that was just five millimeters big. A physicist figured this out. If you take a little domino that size and then make one twice as big as that, 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 eventually gets the last one of those 13 as a yard tall, 100 pounds. So if you take this, and he said, if you take that little domino and start bumping the first one, it'll knock all 13 down, even though it's tiny. And the idea is this. Sometimes the little changes that we make in a day can have a big impact on the people around us and our lives. So what are some of the ways the Lord's urging you just to slow down? I, the phrase I felt like God was saying to us today is slow down, be with me, slow down. So you may find that helpful just to write that phrase, slow down, Jeff, I'm gonna do that. Put that on a piece of paper this week or in a post-it note, slow down. So I asked Chuck and Noah if they'd come out and help us with this next part of practicing, of just being still, of being silent, of being surrendered. And so this song he's gonna sing first comes way back from 1971. It's a song called Slow Down. But just let it soak, let it soak in. Let the Spirit of God speak to you today. Uh, it's the humor of God that I was teaching this message today. Well, I need this every day. Be reminded to take timeouts, to pause, to acknowledge the Lord, don't you? And so I've just been praying all week that somehow this message would touch you right where you need to be touched by God. So thankful for you as a church family that we get to learn together. So I wanna remind you, there's always people down front after our services that would be honored to pray with you. They're just everyday people like you and me but we can pray for each other and cheer each other on in this race. It's a fight, isn't it? So, but let's pray. Now, God, as we leave this place, I know we've got other places to go. Show us how to do it at a speed and a pace where we don't run ahead of you and we don't pass by you. But we remember that you're our life, that we need you and we wanna do it together. Teach us more and more how to take deep breaths how to pause, how to listen, how to acknowledge you. And we know that our souls will be better because of it. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information, please go to www.cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.